Hey there, and welcome to the Failure Guy podcast. This is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. Join me as we take a look into the darker side of success. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the second episode of The Failure Guy. We've got uh, Eleanor Masha um, on the line here. Hey, Eleanor, how are you? Hello, good morning. Uh, yeah, good morning. I'm it's excellent. a little bit, Thank it's you. kind of a afternoon here, uh, or actually six o'clock at night, but I, I understand you're on the opposite side of the world. Um, can you tell me a little bit about where you are, uh, where you're from, and, and a little bit about yourself? Of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm doing absolutely brilliant, regardless of the lockdown that we are experiencing in Melbourne at the moment. But as I was saying, I'm just absolutely grateful that I get to still do what I do. I am the founder of The Construction Coach, which is Australia's first construction coach. And it's a mentoring business which guides, inspires and directs industry professionals and future leaders to achieve higher compensation, faster progression and more recognition in their careers. I'm also the author of my best-selling book, Constructing Your Career and podcast host of Constructing You. That's very cool. I've actually listened to a little bit of your podcast and was checking out your book. Uh, When did that book come out actually? Exactly two months ago. Wow. Uh, just a bit over. It, it came out on August 14 and the feedback has been phenomenal. It's it's incredible to see my book in all different corners of the world or when I'm on a Zoom call with someone, they go into their living room and pull out the book and it's quite a surreal feeling. But I'm very honoured to be able to provide a one-of-a-kind book that the industry really needed. Yeah. So um, can you tell me a bit about what what like caused you to write that book and maybe how long it took? Because I know a book is not like an easy endeavor. Was it something that was really straightforward and you were like, I'm going to write this and I know exactly what it's going to be like? Or was it more of a kind of meandering path? I wrote the book in eight days. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> yes. But I spent eight months on more on the thought leadership journey figuring out my message, my brand, what am I talking about? Why would people want to read this? Who's my audience? I spent a lot of time doing the deep, meaningful, introspective work that is first required in order to actually have results show up in your life. So then when I also sat down to write the book, I spent more time planning and the execution part was eight days. The planning part took a bit more, but it all just came together because I knew very clearly who I was writing it for, why I was doing it. And I've also, you know, communication is one of my superpowers. I I love writing and I love communicating. And I also started exercising that muscle through social media, through, you know, other different byproducts of being a thought leader. So when it actually came down to it, it wasn't a slog. It was, you know, I always had this book in me. And because I was had it in me, it came out very easily. And, and the actual publishing process obviously took a lot more time, around five months from when you submit a manuscript to a publisher. And, and then launch day, which was the 14th of August, was one of the most beautiful moments for me this year. I 
got to experience such a high that I didn't even think I could feel that, but it's just been phenomenal. <laughs> there is no, that's just else. incredible. I, I just got to say, is that your first book? Just to be clear, I want to make sure I understand if it's. Yes, yes. yes. Wow. So it was just waiting to come out. You kind of just sat there after planning out and everything and it just kind of poured out of you. That's right. And I, and I set metrics. I said, I need to write X amount of words per day because I, I need to get this book out quickly. And that's exactly what I did. I'm, I'm very focused. I can focus quite easily on a task at hand. And it also, you know, COVID uh, obviously came around in yeah. March and I wrote the book in April and all of a sudden I had all this net time. So yeah. I wasn't going to let that net time go to waste. I was going to maximize its possibilities. Well, that sounds really cool. Um, from what I think I've uh, listened to of your podcast, it sounds like you've been doing this just a little over seven years. Is that right? I've been in commercial construction for just over seven years as of three days ago. Yes. <laughs> so you've been in it now for seven years. Um, you know, based on the theme of this podcast, hopefully you don't mind, you know, going into some of the deeper darker parts where you might have felt like you know everything was falling apart and you might have been not necessarily feeling like this was the way to go was there any moments where you you encountered like significant failure or or adversity that you had to overcome i am so grateful for the failures and the challenges that have come my way if it wasn't for those moments where i felt deeply challenged and awakened by my realizations, I wouldn't be set on the path that I am today. So first of all, I am so grateful for failure because without the failure, I wouldn't also get to experience the success that I do today. And I wanted to share that because reframing the relationship that people have with failure is a big part of actually accepting it into your life. I welcome it because if I don't fail, I'm not growing. And if I'm not growing, what am I doing? Yeah. I mean, you can't expect to always succeed when you try something. So getting comfortable with failure is, is part of the game. Exactly. The first failure and maybe it doesn't fall into the category of failure, but in my world it does is I realized that I was going down a path. I was going down a future that wasn't set by me. I let every year in my career look like every other year I dulled myself down. I let go of my power because I wanted to so badly fit into a system, a system that wasn't working for me. I've always, you know, up until a certain point in time, when you have that childlike naivety, you, you don't conform. You have this, you know, childlike innocence and you question and you challenge and you're curious. And then, and then all of a sudden you become a product of a system where mm -hmm. there is just one linear path that is set out for individuals. You go to school, then you go to university and then you get a job and you stay there for 50 years, end of story, and you're done. And for, you know, but I've never really had that herd mentality. Mm -hmm. And yet I was trying to very, very avidly try to fit in to that system. And I was compromising on myself. I, you know, I would intimidate other people. So I would dull myself down because I didn't want them to be intimidated. I was making it my problem. Mm -hmm. So I failed. I failed myself for around 27 years of my life by following a system that is broken, that is fundamentally broken. And when I came to that realization that, hang on, hang on, hang on, there is a lot more <laughs> to me. I am a person. We are all people of infinite potential. We are limitless. And here I am saying that I want to climb the corporate career for what? 
I couldn't actually answer that question. And that's where, for me, it all started crumbling down and it set me on the path of, you know, taking your education into your own hands and your development into your own hands and actually undergoing that really deep introspection of figuring out what it is that I actually want. Why am I here? Why am I a human on this earth? Why am I having a human experience? You start asking yourself better questions and fast forward, you get better answers, which lead to better results. So Mm -hmm. that would have to be the biggest failure of society to its individuals. It's that it's selling people a dream that is built on just unstable foundations and it's creating a system of conformity. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because a lot of times you're, you're given this, you know, blueprint on life or something that's called like a path that you should take, but really no one really knows what, what anyone should do in this life. And it's hard to, to take anything like that seriously when there's so many different options of ways you can live your life and like try to express the best you there is like with this world. So I'm glad that you figured that out. What what do you think the answer was? You said that you started questioning like what it is you're doing this for and why, you know, wh- what you want to do with your life. What was the answer that you found or what do you think is like your why that you bring to the, you know, to your business? The first part I had to, in order to answer that question, the first part that I had to really understand was myself. Mm-hmm. You have to know who you are on the macro and the micro because when you know who you are and what is so unique to your person, do you then actually start to understand what it is that you are here to do? And when I realized that I have certain strengths and I have a certain elixir to me that no one else has, and this is exactly what I'm here to do, and this is what gives me energy, then it actually starts making sense. And I was always meant to be a thought leader. (laughs) The the (laughs) more that I dug into it, the more I was meant to be, because I'm someone who is, I'm a deep thinker. I'm I'm a complex thinker. I spend a lot of time by myself in my own mind. And I want to be a person who has, you know, immensely deep impact on people. I want to show people what is possible, you know, and and when you really understand, okay, that's what I really want, the vehicle in which that happens starts to materialize afterwards. You know, it's a mm-hmm. podcast, it's a book. And and one thing that I've always known and that I've always been comfortable with is, is speaking. Speaking is my prerogative. Standing out is my prerogative. So when I actually understood myself and knowing that this is my person, this is what my person needs to do, mm-hmm. do you then start to create the avenues to make that a reality for yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a great way to to go about it. And um you know, you said you got to know who you are and, and how you think you're a complex thinker. And do you think there's something from your upbringing or childhood that really kind of put you on the path towards thinking deeply about things or really trying to figure out, you know, uh, who you are? A lot of people t- tend to avoid that subject and not like introspect on themselves. Was there something about your childhood or growing up that like made you comfortable with those kind of things? Definitely. I'm an only child and my parents are older. So I always had a lot of time to myself. And because I had a lot of time to myself, I love my company. I'm very good (laughs) at being by myself. I can spend hours and hours just with me in my own world, in my own thoughts. So certainly being an only child in a very blessed and abundant household has always given me the time and space to focus on what it is that I want. And even throughout school and as a kid, I've always been a creative, but not necessarily in 
in a creative sense. I was, I was always doing something. I was always making something out of nothing. And mm-hmm. I've also, you know, when you really look back into your childhood, you can understand I was always meant to have this childhood. I was always meant to be born into this life because that has so intensely shaped who I am. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly a big impact. I, I'm also an only child, so I think I'm very comfortable with being, you know, by myself. <laughs> but also I think maybe it's just me, but uh, sometimes only children also struggle and strive to impress people in certain ways and, you know, to gain some of that maybe notoriety or, or just um, to feel like you matter. And maybe when you don't have siblings, it, it can be a little bit more prevalent, but just trying to uh, please people. So at least I found out when I was an only child, not only the thinking part was was relatively easy, but trying to be good at school and good at things to get others approval seemed to be a necessary and an obvious path towards figuring out who I was. I, I guess those with siblings might have a little bit more of a, a rounded approach to upbringing and have more, you know, of that social aspect. And as an only child, you kind of have to dig into a lot of the, you know, well, what what do I want to do and what do I want to like go towards? Cause there's not a lot of camaraderie in it. You have to kind of pick your own path, you know, in a more individualistic approach. I couldn't have said it better myself. You're right. And it is because we are in individuals, but and we don't follow convention and we don't follow the herd. We really have to work to craft our own niche. It's not so much the validation because again, it depends on the personality type. Like, we're very like I'm very sure of myself because I know who I am but we do have that need it's what gives us energy but then it also suggests that we need to have careers businesses and impact which aligns with that so our best work isn't done in the dark I'm curious um, is there anything that sticks out in your mind throughout you know any part of your career that was maybe the you know, most costly decision you made or maybe the most expensive lesson you've learned or, you know, even the biggest revelation you had from like doing something the wrong way, um, which some could consider a failure. But a lot of times there's like many failures in life and sometimes just mistakes, you know, could present themselves their way. Is there anything that stands out to you as like some of the biggest uh, missteps you made that might have taught you something that you might not have learned any other way? Giving other people agency over my own career and over my own trajectory and this was a very expensive mistake, but yeah. I didn't let it go on for too long. I was someone who could not make a decision for myself because I also didn't know myself. And when you don't know yourself, you won't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, in the face of a decision, I would work myself up into a state of analysis paralysis. And I would constantly look for externalities to be my guide. I wasn't listening to my inner mentor. I was wanting other people to give me this absolute surety that this decision would be the best decision and I wouldn't fail. And in that process, I was letting other people decide for me. And what do other people have in store for you? Not much. (laughs) And there was a point in time I had a mentor once upon a time and that person really tried to override my plans and my ambitions with what they thought what would, would be suited to me. And it certainly wasn't. And that was really the tipping point where I said, hang on, no, that's really, really not what I want. And then I owned up to that mentor and I said, I don't know what my career is going to look like because I've had this realization that getting to the top isn't where I want to go, mm-hmm. but I don't know where the alternative is at the moment. And I 
and I told him a few of the things that were important to me, i.e. such as community building, such as being, you know, a person of impact and said mentor said, well, that's shallow and you can't have a career out of this and, and that's not going to work, so on and so forth. And that relationship obviously ended and I'm glad it did because it allowed me to break free of other people's perceptions and to realize, you know, that was one of the first times in my career that I really made a decision for myself. And then that obviously compounded. And that's when I started developing that belief. It's like, okay, Eleanor, we don't know what it's going to look like at the moment, but you'll figure it out. And I certainly, certainly did. And I certainly am. I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly writing my own script. I get to decide, but where other people falter is that they go for years, decades, yeah, following other people's path, other people's pre-conventions as to what a career can look like. And when you really look at it, it's the blind leading the blind. <laughs> it's the people who have no ambition, no vision, no I they don't even want an amazing life. They just want a comfortable life. Yeah. And they're leading people into the future. And I was part of that system. And the best decision that I have done is to break free of that. Yeah, totally. Would you say now you're a little bit more defensive when it comes to protecting your own path? Like, did you build up kind of a shell because of that and maybe make it harder for people to impact like what you think is the right path? Or do you think it just kind of gave you a better perspective on the fact that you need to make sure you own, you know, kind of your decisions? Both. You definitely need to own your own decisions and, you certainly need to work with people and you, you know, I'm, I'm all for mentoring, mentoring changed my life. Mm-hmm. You need to work with mentors who want to bring out your vision, your future, not what they think is good for you. It's not what they want for you. It's what you want for yourself. Yeah. And make sure they kind of lead you along that path and, and help you towards that. Exactly. And if they're not thinking big enough, well, that is the mentor's duty to say, hey, have you thought of this? Have you actually realized you can do anything you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want, however you want? That is the world of possibility. And to not do that is actually an injustice to the universe and an injustice to you having a human experience. So when I wanted to launch my podcast, I actually told a friend and I don't actually tell people what I do. I hate doing <laughs> that, but we haven't, I hadn't seen that friend in a month and I just came back from overseas. She's like, what are you working on right now? I said, podcast. What does that friend say? But there's already so many podcasts. Why <laughs> would you do a podcast? Why this? If I had listened, yeah, I would have, you know, shut down that idea and I wouldn't have had 22,000 downloads in six months and have built a whole community around this. Same yeah. as the book. Oh, why would you, what are you going to write a book about? And again, if I had listened, I would have been dismayed. So yeah, I, I, sorry. I think a lot of one thing that I think is really crucial, which I've learned from a few different people is that don't take advice from people who don't know anything about that subject. So like, for example, exactly. your friend, your friend didn't have a podcast and she's telling you not to do it. The one who said not to exactly. write a book probably didn't write a book, you know, so no. it's more like figuring out, well, who, who's someone who maybe did this thing and I could ask them if that's good advice. Like you don't take uh, advice on finances from your broke friends, but a lot of times <laughs> they'll want to offer up advice, you know? So it's, it can be one of those situations where, you know, um, really un, unrequested advice becomes something that can, can hamper you. A hundred percent. And I only take advice from people who have the results that I want. If you exactly, don't have yeah. the results, if you don't have the results, I'm not interested in the advice and I'm also not interested in the criticism. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I've got 27 downloads now on my podcast. So 
uh, you shouldn't take advice from me, for example, on how to do podcasting. <laughs> no, but I, but you're trying, like you're putting yourself out there. You're giving it a go. And, you know, I had, before I was on the path that I'm on, I gave many things a go and they didn't work out, but I'm glad that happened because it led me to where I needed to go. Yeah, you can oh, only connect the sure. dots looking backwards. You can't connect it looking forwards. So you're doing something. You're trying. Hats off to you. You're dedicating your own time. You can't, you know, we can't always see the end goal, but you're actually doing something. You're not sitting on the benches anymore. So it's not about the metrics. It's that you're actually doing something. For sure. And the, and the best way to, to get better at something is by doing it, you know? And so even if you're just creating for the trash can or whatever, it's it's, <laughs> it's getting you better at it for sure. And so my next question, I think we've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to make sure, like, if you could go back and, and maybe 10 years ago, talk to yourself and give yourself some advice, what would you, what would be the main thing you'd tell yourself from 10 years ago to make sure that you, you know, went down the right path, or at least, uh, you know, didn't spend a long time trying to learn from things that you might've already uh, figured out. Is there any specific advice you'd give yourself? That's a great question. And I'm turning 30 in a few months and I've been very reflective on mm -hmm. my 20s as it draws out to a close and I wish I could sit down next to 20 year old me I wish she had me but I also <laughs> thank her for everything that she did year on year because if she didn't do all those things in my 20 no matter how imperfect the action was I wouldn't get to be where I am today and I'm so deeply grateful for everything that I have today good bad and otherwise mm -hmm. I would tell her First and foremost, listen to yourself. You know what's up. You know what you need to do and you will not listen to people who don't have a vested interest in all of your success. You will take your education and I'm not talking about tertiary education because who I am today has nothing to do with conventional academic systems. Mm -hmm. You will take your own mindset growth and skill set growth into your own hands as soon as possible. And you will you will realize that you were put on this earth for a very unique reason. And I want you to spend as much time as possible actually figuring that out because the world needs your value and you need to get out of your comfort zone and you don't need to be so shy because I used to be the shyest person in the room. Hmm. I couldn't even talk to a person in the room. I would, I would be a shadow and people find that hard to believe when they look at what I do and who I am today. But I would tell her it's okay. You don't need to be so caught up in what other people will think. And if other people will judge you, you don't need to spend one more second thinking of that because people actually don't think 95% of the people in the world don't actually think they don't actually have a level of consciousness. They're going through their life like zombies. They're sleepwalking. Yeah. They're not, certainly not her, thinking. They're thinking about you less than you're thinking about. Yeah, exactly. Yourself. Exactly. They're thinking about how to get to the next day and, and to wake and dreading wanting to wake up to the alarm at six o'clock to go to a job that they hate. They're not thinking about me. Yeah. And, and I would also tell 20 year old Eleanor to fill her life with experiences and to also let herself feel, feel so deeply. Yeah. Rather than like kind of shutting down when it comes to emotions and stuff. That's right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. And it's all, I think a lot of people would would agree with that most of the time they're trying to tell their younger self like have more confidence in yourself not only that don't look up to others necessarily for all the answers you know a lot of times you have the answers inside yourself but you just don't have the confidence to to kind of pursue any of it that's right 
Um, okay, so just two more questions. We're almost, uh, you know, at the end here. But uh, I was curious if there's one, like maybe it's career or a hobby or an undertaking that you wouldn't necessarily do in your life, but if if there was no possibility of failure, so I call this like a get out of fail free. What is there something <laughs> in the future that you could envision yourself enjoying if there was no way to fail at it? And I use like stand up comedy in as, as an example. I, I would not be very good at it, but it would be amazing to try. Is there something you'd want to try, but you've always been kind of scared of going down that path? That's yeah. a great question. And that's not something I necessarily have thought about. I mean, when I look into my future, I see businesses, I see global impact, I see books, I see speaking, I see having clients that are so deeply aligned and are just a pleasure to work with. I mean, I have that right now, but in terms of something, I've always been drawn to the piano. I, I love really? the look of the piano. Yeah, the look of the piano, the the music that comes out of it. I don't have an instrumental bone in yeah. my body, but it is such a beautiful instrument. And if I could try my hand at that and not have to spend 10,000 hours <laughs> yeah. practicing, I would, I would love that. And actually back in year 12, I was good at art once and that it was obviously an underdeveloped skill. So if I could, if I could paint, that would also mm -hmm. be, that would also be a skill that would be nice to have. But, yeah. you know, when it comes into that, you know, business you can learn. There's so many things you can learn. But I think I think something act very creative in yeah. that conventional sense, uh, that would be interesting to see what would happen maybe in another universe. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I, um, I feel the same way. I'm kind of more of the analytical mind, so I do a lot more math and science than, than more of the creative arts type of thing. But I do love playing music. And also I, I started painting, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, watching Bob Ross. If you're familiar with Bob Ross, the guy with the Afro who paints the happy trees. He, <laughs> look it up. I, I followed along with him and I was amazed how well I could do even really not trying that hard. So I think a lot of it comes from like us just talking ourselves down and thinking we can't because I'm terrible at drawing. I'm terrible at painting. I know that I'm not good at it. But a lot of it's just following simple instructions and like building on it. But if you kind of have that negative mindset of, of it's not something you're good at, it can be hard to start. And uh, and I've definitely struggled with that, even with, you know, all sorts of different types of creative arts. But music, especially because I want to know, like, the well, what should I do? But a lot of times music is just do what <laughs> what feels right and makes sense, like in the way you can't really express. So it, it's, yeah. it's certainly uh, pretty interesting. But I think piano's I'll got try. that classical beauty that's like kind of really it can be cool and jazzy but it can also be really just fancy and, and fun which is which is nice you know in, in terms of the piano it is and yeah I love art you know when I travel I love going to galleries and I just think you know these pieces are just a glimpse into a, a world that we've never experienced but they just impact you so deeply and I think that's a beautiful thing that artists contribute to our world yeah for sure and I think even um you know, even uh, an old piece of art or an old book. I mean, it's kind of like someone talking to you through time. It's like a pretty yeah. interesting concept of of someone who may not be around anymore, like expressing their emotions to you without much That's of a right. filter. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So last question is, uh, is what do you think is your next big endeavor? What do you, what do you maybe hope to fail at next? What's your big uh, area where you're going to try things that you, you might not have tried in the past and, and you know, I say hope to fail at next. Obviously, you don't hope to fail at it, but what would be the next big thing you're going to kind of try to undertake? It'll be business. 
the faster that I fail at business, the more quickly I learn. <laughs> and business as a whole is still a new arena for me. And I know I'm going to be failing forward and hopefully very fast in that arena. So, you know, the business that I can see mm-hmm. comes into fruition. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, is there anywhere that uh, the listeners can possibly find you on either uh, websites or anything you're working on right now where people can go look it up? People, um, your audience, uh, more than uh, yeah, welcome big to audience, connect. What it is? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than welcome to connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Eleanor Moshe underscore, or on LinkedIn, Eleanor Moshe, and you can go to my website, Eleanor Moshe. Dot com. My book is called Constructing Your Career and my podcast is Constructing You, if anyone is from the construction industry. Perfect. I will make sure to put those in the show notes and let everyone find you that way. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, and I appreciate your vulnerability and just, you know, allowing yourself to kind of open up. My pleasure. It's necessary to bring this discourse into the world because you know, we see people celebrating the achievements and I think that's fantastic. We need more of that to show people this is what we can do. And we haven't come from any more privileged background. We've come from the same. We've just taken different mm-hmm. actions, but, you know, understanding that the failure part and not getting it right and not knowing it all, all along is, is part of the process. And the more I think, the more I realize I don't have a clue about anything. <laughs> yeah. I think some of the smartest people are the ones who admit they don't know that much because they, they are willing to not only approach that with it, with a sense of trying to learn more, but they, understand that most people don't know that much. I mean, a lot of people know things about specific industries or segments or things, but you know, no one has a broad knowledge of everything. And like the more you can accept that, the more you can kind of be a sponge for future knowledge. Absolutely. I will. I'm forever a student. For sure. Yeah. Continuous education is one of the more important things I think in my life is trying to make sure I'm always growing and learning. Well, thank you very much, Elnor. I appreciate you taking the time and um, and I hope you do well with all, all that you're doing. Uh, I look forward to listening to more of the uh, Constructing You podcast. Thank you, Ben. All right, take it easy. Bye. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.